Welcome back to season three of the Product Marketing Experts podcast. Today, I am so excited to have Halavi Vanacharli with me, the Senior Director of Marketing for IoT and Industries at Twilio. Twilio is truly a juggernaut in this space, and they have done so many things incredibly well. And I'm really excited for this conversation with Pallavi to see what we all can learn from her and what she's done successfully at Twilio. And one question I love to start with, as you all listening to this know, is how do we become product marketers? Because I think it provides interesting insight into the path of a PMM. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Don't just compete, compete to win with Clue. Pallavi, welcome to the podcast. I'd love to hear a little bit more about how did you actually become a PM? What was that path for you like? Hey, Jeffrey, it's wonderful to be here and have this conversation with you. Obviously, you have a rich PMM background as well, so I'm excited to chat about product marketing a little bit. Good question on the career path. I've had a bit of an unusual path into product marketing. What I often find is product marketers either come directly into product marketing or they come from, especially in the high-tech world, they come from engineering, product, product management, and so on and so forth. My journey came from marketing. I came in from the dimension side. So early part of my career, I was an early marketer at various different startups and I built marketing organizations, which included product marketing. So my function included product marketing. And after about a decade of doing that, I felt that I wanted to hone my skills a bit more on the strategy and go-to-market side and messaging side, although I'd been doing some of a lot of that earlier, but I felt like I wanted to go deeper in the craft. And so then I transitioned for a few years into product marketing, and now I've come back full circle and I manage both product marketing and marketing functions. That's incredible. It's all truly come full circle. And I'm sure it's an interesting place to be in. And it sounds like your early kind of career in core marketing provided a really good foundation for your current roles as well. Yeah, that's right. And I'm glad that the role leverages the experience from both functions. (laughs) For sure. One thing that I think we as product marketers, especially product marketing leaders talk a lot about is like understanding the business and understanding the mechanics of the business. And I think a lot of that can really come from not only other marketing roles, but it's certainly other roles within the business as well. So I'm curious if that's like influenced your PMM journey at all, right? Like in my time at HubSpot, one of the things I spent a fair amount of time at is like truly understanding at HubSpot, we call it the flywheel, right? The kind of initial funnel of how we attracted people into the business, becoming customers, what customer success looked like and the success metrics there. And PMM can influence a ton of that across the board. I'm curious from your perspective, if that really helped in your path to becoming not only a product marketer, but a product marketing leader and how that's really impacted your view on product marketing? You know, that's a brilliant question, Jeffrey, and absolutely 100% right. And what I find is that my view is that product marketers and PMMs are like the CEOs of the product or product suite or the solution that they're marketing. And in that sense, or even if you want to call them GMs, right? And in that sense, I feel it is absolutely critical for product marketers to truly understand the business PNL, 
the supply chain, how the products are being made, what are the cost elements of the solution they're putting out there? What does the ecosystem look like? How do the pipeline metrics work? How do conversions happen? And the more they understand this, the more they can influence all aspects of the customer's journey and make sure the customer is truly successful. So this, I feel, is really, really important. And I'm lucky because at least for the IoT product that I manage, we have a cross-functional team. I have an org that includes demand content marketing, communications, product marketing. And because we all come together and meet as a team, everybody is able to see what's happening across the org and are able to influence and understand that. But in addition to that, what I do with my team is I also bring in the finance person or the business ops person to share the PL structure, the business cost structure, so they understand those nuances. And I find that good advice for other product manager, marketing leaders as well, to really give that exposure to your team, like you said, because then the wheels really start working in their heads, right? Then they can think about new ideas and how to influence all those aspects. I love that. And it really exemplifies the cross-functional nature of the role that we play, as well as the importance of playing that kind of GM role. And you talked a little bit about this. Curious how you think about broadly structuring the team. I think the structure ultimately plays a large role in what you were just saying and in how we think about ourselves as GMs, right? And there's so many different ways of structuring a team. Just earlier this morning, I was reading on LinkedIn, a product marketer who mentioned that there's a bunch of different ways to structure a team, whether it's by stage of the customer journey or right. vertical or industry or whatever the case may be, there's plenty of different ways. So curious, how do you think about product marketing structure? Yeah, great question. And I'd love your take on it as well. You've built really large teams. But my two cents is, like you said, there are many different ways you can structure product marketing roles by product, by markets, by verticals, by functional roles. There's so many ways and there's no right or wrong way. It really depends on the stage of the company, the need of the business. And I think it's important to hire product marketers or at least level set with them that the role will keep evolving just because the role is defined this way in year one, it doesn't mean it's going to stay the same in year two because the needs of year two will be different and so on and so forth. So I think product marketers should sort of think about their role as evolving and morphing with time. But the one thing that I find that is important to do is craft the role in such a way that it actually also not just solves for the business need, but for the team members need, the individual need. So let me give an example how I've done it at Twilio IoT. Here we have a few different PMMs and each of them brings a very unique strength to the table. So luckily I had the luxury to be able to craft the role, I mean, not have a predefined role. So in this instance, what I did is we did an exercise where we did a strength finders exercise using a simple model like the, you can use the product marketing framework and say, here are all the functions, where are your strengths, where are the areas that you want to grow in? What desires do you have for your own personal growth? And I crafted the role according to each individual's strengths. And luckily there was not a lot of overlap. So we were able to craft things that really gave the individual an opportunity to own an entire area. And ownership is really important here. And in that ownership, they were able to shine in the areas that are they are strong in. And at the same time, at least 20% of their job are areas that they want to grow in, they want to learn. So 80% on the strengths and 20% on the areas of growth. And at the same time, making sure there's clear 
demarcation in areas so there's clear ownership and there's no overlap. So I would say if you have the luxury of being able to do that, I would say also in addition to what the business needs, add on the people aspect and then you'll see the individuals truly shine because this is custom crafted job for them, right? Yeah, completely agree. And it's really interesting that you mentioned the 80% and then 20%. Guest also this season, Naman, the CMO at Zeppelin, mentioned that any role that you want or aspire to get, you should be able to do kind of 80% of that role kind of on, on day one, so to speak, right? And 20% of that role should be a little bit of a stretch for you, right? It shouldn't be directly in your wheelhouse. It should be an opportunity for you to learn and extend and grow yourself. And I think that's true for, I think, all of our roles today as PMMs, especially in high growth companies like Twilio and my company Iterable and so many others. But it's also true for as we think about our career path and whatever those next steps for each of us look like respectively, it's true that we want to build in that kind of 20% as well. So, so I really love that framework. Yeah, and you know, that's fantastic. Great minds think alike. And I think the other reason why this is so important is you want, because PMMs are at the center of everything, like we talked about, like the GM or the CEO of a function of a product or a solution, they need to gain a lot of credibility in the organization. So the more wins they can demonstrate early and often, the more credibility they gain, the more trust they gain. So it's really important, like you said, to have at least 80% of the job that you can do well. Completely agree. Yeah. And I think in my experience in structuring the team, I think that, as I mentioned, there's a ton of different ways and there is no right way to necessarily do it for every single company. But in my experience, certainly at HubSpot, where we worked with multiple personas, we worked with across a ton of different verticals. The right way for us was really to align it to product groups and to product functions, I should say. And HubSpot kind of makes this a little bit easier in some regards because they have a distinct marketing product and sales product and operations product and so forth, where those are functionally different in many respects. And it also allows career growth for a lot of the PMMs on the team too, because you have senior PMMs. PMMs kind of managing the overall function for a specific product line. And you have more junior folks who are growing in their careers, starting to kind of work within that product line and growing kind of within to more of a group level or platform level functionality. So it was this really interesting structure that wound up working really well. That structure wouldn't work for everyone or every company, but that did work incredibly well for us at HubSpot. I love that model. And on the industry teams, there's a different team that I manage. We have a similar structure where in the verticals we're target, we do have that senior junior combination, if you will. And like you said, I think it's a fantastic way for getting more younger folks to grow and learn and thrive in those roles. Yeah, I completely agree. And I also really agree with and love the way that you framed that PMMs should be the GM or CEO. One thing I say a lot of times is CMO, right? I think it's kind of like a cross-section of those roles that we're talking about of their specific product line. And as we think about that, how do you think about KPIs for your product marketing org? How do you think about KPIs for those individuals? How do you like lean forward on that to ensure that you are kind of growing the team and ensuring that your team is effective? Yeah, great segue into that. I will say probably like I spent four years doing a lot of A-B testing at one of my previous companies into it. I was leading the digital marketing teams there. And so we were, I would say, steeped in data day in and day out. <laughs> 
So that turned me into a very data-focused, measurement-focused professional. And what I find is that it's just my outlook is a little bit, everything that I evaluate is what's the outcome, what's the impact, what's the end result. So I think that sort of mindset is really important for PMMs to gain as well. Because if you think about a PMM, because they are that the CMO role that you define, and I love that you combine GM and CEO into that term, and I'm going to steal that going forward. So because they're in these pivotal roles, a ton of stuff comes their way every single day. They're bombarded with new asks, new requests, new things they have to take on. And they constantly have to evaluate, do I take this new request on or not based on my current workload? And so the only measurement in my mind that you can safely use is what's the impact. If the impact for the new request is high enough, then sure, reevaluate what you have on your plate and think about, are these still the right things to focus on? So I feel like this maniacal focus on impact is really important. And then overall, as the KPIs and measurement that you asked, there's so many different ways to measure. We all have probably, if anybody in the product marketing world has seen and heard many of them, like number of content, percentage of sales reps trained, their effectiveness in being able to pitch, messaging stickiness with customers, doing sales surveys to see we've been able to address some of the blockers they get from customers or even doing customer surveys, so on and so forth. So there are many, many ways to do this. And I believe that you should really think about what is right for your organization at that moment in time and not be afraid to create your own custom tracking. Like you don't have to adhere to what you've seen or heard in the market. I think it's very important to have that custom tracking. As long as your stakeholders are on board, I think you can create what you think is right for your stage for the product journey and the customer life cycle. That's one. But what I would say is also in having said that I'm very data-driven and measurement is really important, I would say it's all so if you're especially if you're a lean team it's also important to understand that you can't measure everything and you have to measure the things that are worth measuring not everything is worth measuring just because somebody wants that data so you have to convince your stakeholders to measure just the right things and not be bogged down by spending time in measurement rather than doing the job because there are some basic things we all understand need to be done for example we all know that we have to understand the sales cycle in its entirety and create content that moves the customer from step one to step two, right? And that's understood. You can measure some of it, but you don't have to get really focused and spending time on tracking and measuring everything there. So I would say some things which you know, just take it for granted and convince your stakeholders that we're just going to assume this is going to bring good results. (laughs) Because in a lean team, that takes a lot of time. Measurement takes a lot of time. For sure. And similar to you, I'm, I'm very data-driven. I think data can inform so much of what we're doing. And especially as leaders, I think it's incredibly important to instill that culture amongst our team. But you're absolutely right, especially in a small team that is moving really quickly. It can be hard to gather all of that data, at least all of the time, right? And one thing I thought quite a bit about, and I read this on a blog post a while back, I forget the exact blog. So apologies to, to the author. I will find it and try to share it out, is this kind of two-by-two matrix. And it's easier to see a two-by-two matrix, obviously, and it's harder to to describe it. But on the x-axis was this like consequences of the decision that you need to make and whether it was low or high. And on the y-axis was like your level of conviction and the decision that needed to be made, like whether it was low or high, right? And as leaders, I think a lot of times we can take a step back even when we don't have some of that data because of the consequences to that decision are fairly low and our level of conviction is fairly 
high in the individual making that decision and their kind of path forward, then we probably don't need to be super involved in that, right? Whereas if the consequence is super high, it will really impact maybe the revenue or churn or whatever the case may be of that specific product line. And we feel like the path that they're headed on is probably not the correct path. Then clearly we should naturally step in in that case, even if we don't have the data. But I found that framework kind of helpful in a way for me to empower my team to make a lot of their own decisions while also ensuring that I can focus my time on getting the data that will fundamentally move the needle forward. You know, that's fantastic. You know, you hit the hammer on the nail. Is that the term? Um, <laughs> you know, we do this, what you're seeing, this framework, we do that intuitively already, but it's brilliant to put it in an actual framework because it makes it that much more powerful. And like you said, you can pass it to your team members. It's fantastic. I'm going to take it back to my team as well. Absolutely. I will find the actual graphic because like I said, it's difficult to describe just in words, but I will find the graphic and pass it along. But no, I'm glad that's helpful because it's, you're absolutely right. You know, data and being driven by data is incredibly important. I think as PMMs, we are constantly balancing this art and science. When we do positioning and messaging, a lot of the writing piece of that is naturally kind of more of an art than it is a science. But the science piece comes in in terms of measuring and what you choose to measure is an conversation entirely, but it really has to be both. And I think that's where it just, in my opinion, I think that's where a lot of PMMs and, and even PMM leaders get kind of hung up is somewhere in that balance. Right. I mean, you know, and I would say, and probably you do this as well, like pick a few metrics, right? It doesn't have to be everything and pick a few that you're going to measure and you know, for sure you're going to measure for the rest of the year and sort of steadily measure it every month and see if there's progress being made. And I think that's good enough to help all your stakeholders, all your constituents to really understand that product marketing is bringing success. The rest of the metrics are really for your own use because you're trying to see where do I prioritize my time? What am I doing that's effective? And really to optimize your own function rather than reporting out. So there's like a outward reporting metrics, which should be fewer and the broader ones and the internal ones could be more, which will help you nuance your own role. Completely agree. And that's a really good way of looking at it, Plavi. I actually really like that. So I completely agree. One thing I think we talk, I mean, based off this conversation about OKRs and bigger efforts that we as PMMs look at, especially being the kind of GM or CMO or CEO of our respective product lines. One thing I think we as product marketers talk a fair amount about is really successful efforts that we've had, right? I think we all hopefully have some of those kind of in our history, in our career history, where whether it's a launch or whether it's some other project that we've done that has gone exceptionally well, and we've hopefully beaten all of our targets and just, you know, the internal perception is really strong. And, and hopefully for all of you listening to this that have had an event like that, have a smile on your face and are kind of patting yourself on the back for the work that you did there because it is a plenty of work. But I don't think as PMMs, we talk enough about some of our mistakes. And there is, of course, a level of humility there to our mistakes, right? And being comfortable talking about them. But as much as we can learn from our successes and what worked well with our successes, I think we can learn just as much, if not potentially more from some of the mistakes we've made. So curious if there's maybe one or two in your career history that you've really learned a ton from, if you can share a little bit with us about those. I love this question. There are too many mistakes to count. I don't know how much time you have. We can go the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say what I've found, what I've learned is that 
I make mistakes every single day and I have done that since the day I've started working. And I think if you accept that and embrace that, then you'll be far more successful because it is not these one or two mistakes that stand out. Actually, we make mistakes every day. There may be small mistakes, big mistakes, but we're making them every day, just like we're making creating successes as well. And I think it's important for folks, everybody, it doesn't matter it's product marketing. I think everybody to understand and embrace it and be okay with it. Because if you don't make mistakes, you're not learning, you're not pushing the envelope, you're not trying new things and you're stagnant. So I think that's okay. I will say to answer your question directly, what I've found is that the mistakes I made earlier in my career were, were felt really large and serious, but they were actually not that important. As I was younger, I felt like, oh my God, I've made this horrible mistake, but they were not that important, not that impactful. And as I have grown in my career, the mistakes I'm making, have been making are more subtle. Sometimes you can't even spot them and they're more expensive. So the higher you go, the more expensive the mistakes, the impact of the business is that much more. So I would say the decisions we make, the steps we take become that much more important. And the thought that goes into it becomes more critical. And being able to constantly be vigilant because they're so subtle, sometimes you don't notice them. So I'll give you a couple of examples, one from early in my career and one from more I would say maybe five years ago. So early in my career, I was running a webinar. There was an analyst on the webinar. Phenomenal success with webinar attendance. I think those were the days maybe large attendees. So we had about hundreds of attendees uh, on the call. And back in the day, there was, you know, the systems were not that great. I was supposed to submit a demo to them a couple of days earlier to load up in the platform. And I forgot I was running fast and I sent it to them the night before and they couldn't load it. So we had hundreds of people waiting on the webinar with no demo to show. So very embarrassing, very publicly embarrassing. And I was mortified and I felt like, oh my God, the business impact is huge. It wasn't, it didn't make a dent in our business. People who attended got to see demos separately and one-on-ones and they weren't moved by it. And it was fine. It was not a big major blip, right? Now, fast forward to when I grew in my career and for one of our products, we were launching in a market and huge customer. In fact, it was a channel partner, not a customer. And there, the success, you know, we were launching the product and we started seeing that the results were not as strong as we'd expected. And it turned out that our sales leaders did not effectively engage with the partner sales leaders to really activate the channel and get the top-down support to make it successful. Now, this may seem seemingly that it's not a product marketing mistake, but in fact, going back to what you and I talked about, this product marketer being the CEO or the CMO or the GM of the business, it is absolutely the PM and PMM's responsibility to make sure every aspect of the product is functioning the way it should, including sales channel, right? And so that mistake was subtle because we really unearthed the relationships not working as effectively as time went by. And the cost was far more because we lost millions in year one revenue. And so goes to show that you, you know, you truly have to be careful across the board and Going back to my previous point, the cost of things as you climb the ladder becomes more and more. 
Absolutely. Yeah. The strategic impact that you can have as you start to climb in your career becomes just a multiple, I guess, of that it is earlier in your career. Although I find that it's definitely early on in my career, I made plenty of mistakes and still have made plenty of mistakes to be clear, definitely not perfect, but I approach them quite a bit differently now than I did earlier on in my career, where earlier on in my career, I felt like it was the end of things, so to speak, that the sky was falling, so to speak. But lately it's, or I should say past few years, it's more so like a learning opportunity and investigating what could have gone better and fixing it for the future as well, which is, I think, a much better approach. I wish I had taken that approach a lot lot earlier. Yeah, I love that point of view. And this is what we call resiliency. If you're resilient, if you grow this talent of resiliency, then you'll accept changes, you'll accept mistakes, and you'll be fine with it because ultimately that's how we grow. But what I also find is that just to add to that, another way you can build acceptance for mistakes is position things as tests early on. So if there are paths you're taking or things you're doing, which hasn't been tried before within the company or for that product or market, then call it a test so that there's more, even from amongst your stakeholders, they're more open to learning rather than judging you based on the results. And you can say that, hey, I'm going to run this A-B test for a year. We'll see how this goes. If it works, we'll continue doing it. If it doesn't, we'll scale back. So I think positioning it that way helps with senior leaders, other senior leaders as well. That is a phenomenal point, Pallavi. I think I think we can all take something from that in that internal positioning and how you think about internally messaging that to peers, colleagues, other employees, leaders, et cetera, is critically important as well to your internal success as well. So that's a really, really good point. What Maybe one final question as we begin to wrap up here, which is, I think we all have hopefully at least had mentors in our career path, whether that's been somebody at the same company we're at or a different company, whatever the case may be. And I've been fortunate to learn a ton from the mentors I've had. And curious if there's any one lesson or possibly a few lessons, Pallavi, that you've learned from mentors that have really helped you in your career as a product marketer and a product marketing leader. Fantastic question. I will say there is one lesson I've learned and I've learned it from two different, actually three different people. And all of these three people are people I admire. The same lesson I learned from all of them, but just they came to me at different points in my journey, just as reminders, repeated reminders. that This is the one thing you need to hang on to. And that is happiness, that truly everything we're doing ultimately is to be happy in our lives. And if you're happy as a manager and you can spread that joy and happiness amongst your team members, then they will perform their best. And I saw it with two different leaders. One was a sales leader at one of my early companies where the moment she came into the room, she would light up the room and make everybody feel like they were at the top of the world and had something to offer and provide to the company and they were valuable. And that really energized and pumped up everybody. And the same thing I saw repeated with another leader whom literally everybody in the company loved. And they loved because she brought that belief. She made you believe that you could do anything you wanted and anything you desired. And that sort of joy that she brought to every single meeting, to every conversation, to every interaction, where she really applauded you for what you did, always smiling, always happy, just to spreader of happiness. And then I got reminded of the same lesson, you know, recently. And actually, before I get to the recent example, I don't know if you saw this, Google had done a survey quite some time back, 
where they said the success of the company depends on managers and how happy they make people feel. And people don't leave or join ultimately, or they don't leave probably because of the company. They ultimately leave a lot of times because of the manager. And so the manager plays a really important role. And more recently, again, I was reminded of one of my coaches that I listened to, Robert Mack. He has written a book on happiness from inside out, and he gives very practical tips and suggestions on how to be inherently happy, how to make yourself happy. And I find that if managers are happy inherently, they're happy, then they have something to give and they can spread that joy elsewhere. And that to me is ultimately the mark of success because there's so much great talent in our companies and everywhere we go. You just have to bring that out by spreading joy and happiness. I love that, Pallavi. And I think all too often folks focus on success metrics around salary and personal measures of success that move their status or some other measure forward a little bit. But happiness and that perception that you bring into the organization and that impression that you bring into the organization truly goes a really long way. It's incredible how far that will go within an organization. And I love that lesson from your mentors. That's truly remarkable. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's one that I'm still working on. It's a everyday journey. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time, Pallavi. It's truly been a pleasure having you on the Product Marketing Experts podcast. Any final word that you want to share here with the audience uh, where folks can find you or anything you're working on in the broader web? Absolutely. Thank you, Jeffrey. It's wonderful meeting you and chatting with you. I enjoyed this conversation a lot. I would say product marketing is such an amazing function and there is so much excitement in the role itself. I would say anybody who's doing product marketing, truly enjoy your craft. Just enjoy what you're doing because this is one of those rare functions that can give you a lot of satisfaction and a lot of joy in what you're doing. So just truly focus on learning and thriving and you'll have a great time. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, other places. I haven't been that active in social lately, but (laughs) you can catch me on LinkedIn the most. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Plavi, for being here. It's been truly a pleasure to have this conversation with you. I have personally learned a ton, and hopefully you all listening to this have as well. Stay in the know about your competitive landscape with Clue. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards delivered everywhere your sales reps live through integrations with Salesforce, Slack, Highspot, and many more. With Clue, you'll never let your sales team be blindsided by competitors again. Crush your competition with Clue.